For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What the Pell is up, everybody? This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host, Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. That is E-L-I-O-T-C-L-O-U-G-H. And while you're here, before we get started, make sure you subscribe and or follow the podcast. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, see if you can leave a rate and review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, all you got to do, scroll all the way down to the bottom, hit that five stars, and then I believe you can click write a review, and that really helps us out, really helps with exposure for the podcast. We definitely appreciate it big time. We appreciate you listening today as well, and we've got a good one ahead of us today. We've got McCabe Pearson, co-host of the Home Court Press podcast also covers high school sports for the Deseret News in Salt Lake City has a ton of connections covering the Utah Jazz joined us today to preview the Pelicans first game against the Jazz this coming Thursday so we really delved into some really fun stuff reviewed those two games in January between the Jazz and the Pels talked about how much Zion's return will affect the game and Keys to a win for the Jazz and keys to a win for the Pelicans, plus way more. So, folks, this was a fun one. Don't miss it. Here is my conversation with McCade Pearson of the Home Court Press podcast. All right, and we're joined by McCade Pearson of Home Court Press podcast, and of course, doing that high school box score thing in Deseret News in Salt Lake City. Thanks so much for joining us today, McCade. How you doing, man? Uh, we're doing pretty good. Not the best day of my life, but we're pushing forward, and basketball makes everything a little bit better. That it does, that it does. And our two basketball teams will be facing off this coming Thursday, tomorrow, when this, this podcast is put up. So we'll start off by talking about the two games that happened earlier this year. We're just kind of going to ignore that one in uh, – the fall that the, the, the Pels played the, the Jazz in because we didn't get to see the full roster for the Pelicans. That was before they hit their stride. So we'll stick to the two in January that are more reflective of who the Pels are right now. So we'll start off with that first game, January 6th, the 128 to 126 victory for the Jazz. A close game. I, I tell you what, the, the Pels and the Jazz match up really well with each other. These are just good teams, despite the discrepancy in, in record and, and standings in the West. I've got to say, McCade, you know that was a foul on Rudy at the end of that game, right? (laughs) I am the biggest Rudy fan you'll ever meet, and that was 100% a foul, and I will proudly admit it. 
And while I'm sad we're not talking about the fall game because you weren't a full roster, it was really sad to not see Derek Favors return. And then this coming game on Thursday was also supposed to be his return, but obviously it's in Orlando. So we do miss Derek Favors. Right. So we'll focus on those games in New Orleans, though. For sure. For sure. Bojan had 35 in that one as well. And then moving on to the the victory for the Pelicans on January 16th, just 10 days later. So 138 to 132 win over the Jazz in that one. And I feel like, personally, that one should have ended in regulation as well. What are your thoughts there? No, he got fouled. I believe it was Jackson Hayes. He did pull his jersey pretty good. Actually, I was uh, hanging out with my wife last week, and I said, hey, choose a date. And what was the date? January what was it? 16th. 16th. And that's the day she said. I pulled it up on League Pass, and I watched that whole Jazz Pelicans game randomly last week. And it was a fantastic game that was a really weird game because Brandon Ingram and Donovan Mitchell both put up huge numbers. Uh, 49 and 46 points respectively, and it was Ingram who just made the shots when it mattered and was able to create his own shot down the stretch there. Right. Ingram's been really good this season at getting to his spot and making shots. And like you said, Donovan Mitchell had that 46 in that one. So these these have been close games between these two teams that are really nowhere near each other in the standings, like I said already, but do you think this is just a good matchup for the Pelicans, or do you think that's indicative as to the the incredible strides that they've made this season? I, I'd have to go with the latter, but from, from a Jazz fan's perspective, what are your thoughts? I think it's just a good matchup. You guys don't really have anyone who can really compete with Gobert. Favors is big, but he struggles to play heavy minutes. But we don't have anyone to stop Ingram. I would say comment on Zion, but we haven't seen that yet. So it's just a really good matchup because there's so many different unique pieces on each team that don't fit with each other, which means both teams have advantages they can exploit, and both teams have done a good job at exploiting those in the past few games. Right, and check Bojan's 35 and Donovan Mitchell's 46, and one can tell that pretty quickly. No really big score for the Pelicans in that first matchup in January. J.J. Redick had 23. We also saw that Drew Holiday didn't play in either one of these games, so that'll be a big difference going into this one. But speaking of, what do you think is the biggest difference between this games and those games? I mentioned Drew. Bojan won't be playing. Mike Conley's back. Zion will be playing as well. So a lot of differences. Is there anyone that's really sticking out to you going into this one coming up on Thursday? It's Zion Williamson. It's Zion Williamson, not just between you and me, but the whole league's watching. That second game was supposed to be his debut, and they ended up pushing it off a few more days. So Jazz fans had a lot of talk of what's he going to be, how are we going to defend him, yada, 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 and then it didn't end up happening. And now here we are again trying to figure out what's it going to be. I'm assuming he's playing on Thursday. There's a little question there. He just got released back into the bubble today, uh, I guess yesterday by the time you're listening to this. But it is Zion Williamson. It's the big puzzle piece the Jazz will have to figure out. Right. It's, it's got to be Zion. I mean, I think it's safe to say that Zion's going to play. What we've been talking about a little bit on the podcast is him having a minutes restriction. I'm going to assume it's – you know, I don't want it necessarily to happen. Obviously, we want to see as much of Zion as we can. But in the long term, it makes sense. Probably going to stick to 20 to 25 minutes just because – the, the upper management is just terrified of him getting a, a long-term injury. So who guards Zion for the Jazz? I, I just look at the Jazz roster, and, I mean, in a small ball situation, they're probably going to put Rudy on him, or where, where the, 
where the Pelicans are focusing on on small ball. They're probably going to put Rudy on him because he's a big body. But but what else? Who who else do they have to field to match up with Zion? <laughs> they don't. We don't have any power forwards on our rosters. No, they've been putting Rudy Gobert on the Russell Westbrooks of the world. They were putting him on the power forwards and not on Kalen Eonlinik against the Heat on Saturday. They really like to give Rudy Gobert the flexibility to kind of roam and guard the paint and guard a little bit more on the perimeter than just to stick him at the rim against somebody center, stick him out on the three-point line against somebody center. When we had Derek Favors, that's what we do is Derek Favors would guard the center and Rudy Gobert would just kind of roam and guard the rim and wherever he needed to be. So I fully expect Rudy to be on Zion, at least at the beginning. That could turn really bad really fast. Obviously, you have to make an adjustment. Now, for a lot of Pelicans fans, and Jason Maples did a really good job of breaking this down on Twitter, he said that, it's, it's pretty inefficient basketball when Favors and Zion are on the floor together at the same time. They just kind of clog the lane and it messes up spacing. But if they're on the floor at the same time, if Favors and Zion are both on the floor, who's going to guard Fave if Rudy Gobert is, is on Zion? This is where we run into issues. As I said, we do not have a power forward. So we'd probably throw Royce O'Neal on him, who's just a big physical guy at only 6'4". And you're just going to have Rudy stay pretty far back and dare Zion to shoot and hope that his health defense can limit favors. As you said, there are some offensive concerns there with Zion favors. I wouldn't buy into that too much at this point, but it is definitely a concern moving forward if those two can play together. Sure. I mean, the the starting five that the Pelicans had when Zion was healthy is – are, I mean, it's statistically the best in the NBA. 19 games and not even that many because other players were hurt throughout that stretch, but it's statistically the best in the NBA. I don't know that it's the biggest concern right now, obviously, but it's, it's part of what the Pelicans have to deal with every night. Now, Mike Conley will be back. He didn't play in either of those games against the Pelicans. Do you think he will have much of an impact? Has he lived up to your expectations at all this season? <laughs> I'm a little more extreme than most Jazz fans. Most Jazz fans say he's been bad. I think he's been absolutely terrible. But he has had these moments. He had, a, I think it was 27, 28-point game where he had like 15, 20 in the third against the Clippers early in the year. He went off last night against the Nets, a couple nights ago against the Nets. So you've seen these um, spurts where he is Mike Conley, but it's been a real struggle to get him and Donovan Mitchell on the same page because Mike Conley has been a point guard his whole career. And Donovan Mitchell likes to play on ball. Mike Conley struggled to be a little more off ball. Hopefully things work out. It's like Conley's been pretty good here in the scrimmages, but I'm not super confident ready to overreact on a few scrimmages. And I heard your reaction and, and thoughts about Donovan Mitchell playing off ball versus on ball in the most recent episode of the Home Court, Home Court Press podcast. You're, you're more of, we want Donovan on the ball, aren't you? People think... I'm a Donovan Mitchell hater in the Salt Lake community. It's just because I love him and I'm harsh. No, but I really do. I see a lot of Ray Allen in Donovan Mitchell, and a lot of people don't remember Milwaukee Bucks Ray Allen. But Donovan's a lights-out catch-and-shoot shooter, and he really struggles off the dribble. So I'd love to see him off-ball a little bit more and let Conley be Conley. We've been talking for years now. we got to figure out Don Mitchell. we got to figure out a way for Don Mitchell to have some help. And now we brought the player in there, but we haven't let him help. So we'll see if that actually ends up happening, whether it's here in the bubble or next season. So another name that will be back in this one, like I mentioned just a little bit ago, is Drew Holiday, guard for the Pelicans. Now he has been 
absolutely on a tear defensively this season, shutting down the likes of Damian Lillard basically for, for Dame's whole career, just shut down Nikola Jokic, showing that he can guard the one through five. Is that a concern for you as a Jazz fan now that he's back, that he could match up with a guy like Donovan Mitchell and, and be an irritant so Mitchell can't go off for that 46 points? So theoretically, one of the Jazz quote-unquote strengths is we have lots of ball handlers. Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, and some other guys. So one guy shouldn't be able to shut us down like that. In reality, I think that's almost more of a limitation. We tend to play a little bit my turn, your turn a little too often. And if that's the case, Drew Holiday is going to have his 20 possessions against Donovan Mitchell where he does a really good job. So, yes, I'm concerned about it, especially if it is Donovan. I'm assuming it's going to be Donovan that Drew Holiday will pester him a lot. And that's where Donovan has to figure out how to get the ball to the rest of his teammates. He's really struggled this year when it comes to playmaking for his teammates. He, the last two games, he's had seven assists to Rudy Gobert, and Jazz Nation is freaking out about that because that's like crazy, crazy, crazy high. So it's going to be on Donovan to not avoid Drew, but get around Drew and not just in a physical sense. Sure. And Drew is – just going to continue to get opportunities to show that he is arguably one of the best defenders in the league as we move forward in these eight games, despite the fact that it won't count towards record towards uh, off season awards. Now, Brandon Ingram was on this most recent list that or a recent list that ESPN put together of the top 50 players in the bubble, or I guess most impactful players in the bubble. One of the players that I saw that was, Pretty high for the Jazz was Donovan Mitchell at 24. And I don't know if you saw the list or if you can rattle off. Was this the one Brandon Ingram was at 48 on? 47, yeah. 47? Yeah, that was terrible. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty bad. We were not happy about that uh, in, in Pelicans Nation. So did you think it was fair to, to the Jazz players that were on the list where I believe Mitchell was at 24? No, I personally – I'm going to whisper this because if Jazz Nation hears this, they'll get mad. But I personally think Brandon Ingram is a better player than Donovan Mitchell – um right now I think they're really similar and just high scoring guards that if they could tone it down to 20 points six assists and decent defense it actually helped their teams a little bit more but yeah that Brandon Ingram ranking was crazy low crazy low Donovan yeah he's somewhere in that 25 to 30 range and I think Rudiger is a little bit better than 18 the all the on off numbers and really any number you look at we are a good team because of Rudy Gobert, and everyone else just helps keep us 500, and Rudy Gobert takes us to wherever we end up above 500. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty salty when I saw Donovan Mitchell was that high and Brandon Ingram was 47. So I'm, I'm glad I can get this from you uh, as a, as a jazz, jazz fan and a member of the media covering the Jazz. That makes me feel pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I told you I whispered that though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll, we'll do our best to make sure only Pelicans fans – hear this podcast so we'll keep that on the DL so in that second matchup like you've mentioned like we talked about a little bit Brandon Ingram had that 49 point game the highest of his career and and you said that you think Brandon Ingram should have been in that top 25 top 30 range for most impactful players in the league so who scares you more going into this one is it Zion or or is it Brandon Ingram it's Zion the main reason is okay so first of all Rudy Gobert is elite he's awesome he's great Best defender in the world, all that fun stuff. Great defensive rebounder. But outside of Rudy, we don't have any defensive rebounders. And so, especially if Rudy goes to play defense, it leaves the rim right open. And with Zion on the court, you guys are something crazy like 35, 36 offensive rebound percentage, aren't you? 
I couldn't quote that off the top of my head, but I believe you. <laughs> I think your rebounding basically like gets the 90s. So currently, league average is about 25%. Back in the 90s, it was about 35%. And I think you guys are somewhere like 35-40% when Zion's on the court. That's just because he's so bouncy and gets a lot of his own misses and all that fun stuff. But the Jazz can do a great job of making you miss your shots. But if you get 15 more shots than us, which sounds high, but it's actually pretty realistic, you're just not going to win games even – if we shoot really well. And I tweeted about Zion, you know, getting his own rebound. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm sure you've seen the replay of him missing the free throw and then getting like 40 boards off that free throw against the Warriors and then getting the putback. Swear the dude misses on purpose sometimes. It's like not even fair. <laughs> yeah, so the Jazz are 30th in the league and field goal attempt differential per 100 possessions. We allow opposing teams to shoot five or six, seven more shots than us a game, true cool. shooting attempts. And if we can't get that under control, it, we really, really struggle. Because we're going to shoot better than you. We shoot better than everybody. But as I said, when we're allowing Zion Williamson to get 10 extra shots from the Pelicans a game, it's just really, really hard to keep the pace. They, the, the Jazz shoot better than, than everybody, but now they don't have Bojan. Does that affect it? How much does that affect it? I mean, it obviously affects it. It's obviously not great to have Boyan out. But after missing every three-pointer we took last year against the Rockets, our front office really went out and got shooters. Probably to a fault. We went out and got shooters who do nothing else. George Niang shoots like 43%. As I said, Donovan's like 44 45% off the catch and shoot. Joe Ingles is great. The Jazz have plenty of shooters, and they're looking to shoot more and more more that's something we've seen over the first couple scrimmage games so we'll still get up a thousand three-point attempts and we'll still make a ton of them and of course Rudy's still going to dominate the paint but we're only shooting about 80 shots per 100 possessions while the league average is up at 85 86 so that's where our struggles come in is we turn the ball over we don't force turnovers we allow offensive rebounds we don't offensive rebound ourselves it gets we'll make shots but we got to shoot shots to win games as well in looking at the Pelicans and a lot of those stats, it's it's honestly kind of similar without Zion. Not great at getting boards. Uh, the the defense can look pretty iffy sometimes, especially at that three four spot. Luckily the luckily the uh, Jazz don't necessarily have a star at that three four spot. Obviously they got Donovan Mitchell, who is six one and could be a matchup with Drew, like we've made reference to a few times. Already Now, for the scrimmages that the Jazz have played in, went one and two, won their first game since March, like you mentioned on your most recent episode of, of your podcast. Were there any big takeaways in those three scrimmages? You talked about Donovan Mitchell getting assists to, to Rudy Gobert. Were there any other big takeaways in these matchups with the Suns, Miami, and Brooklyn? So, we were really bad, and then we were okay, and then we were really good. We did see a lot of progression through the three games as I said we really struggled against Phoenix and looked great last night against Brooklyn now it's just we started using some weird lineups so Boyan Bogdanovich and Rudy Gobert were the most played two-man lineup in the NBA this year they each played about 90-95% of their possessions together mostly that was for Rudy to cover up Boyan on defense but it just means we hadn't had a lot of flexibility so we kind of have our six starters as we like to say Without Boyan, that just leaves us Conley, Donovan, Joe, uh, Royce, and Rudy. And that five-man lineup had only played 14 minutes, and now it's our starting lineup. So trying to figure that out was something we worked on a lot. 
We are a lot more three guard lineups now, kind of like the Thunder have been doing, which has been interesting. Again, it struggles on the defensive glass if Rudy's not there. And then we actually ended up playing some Rudy Gobert, Tony Bradley minutes, played about 15 minutes of those. And that was super interesting. I don't think you guys have to see that. And that's just more, if we end up playing the Lakers with Anthony Davis and whatever big they're rolling with. But for us, it's a real preseason trying to figure out lineups because the boy on injury really hurt our rotation, like our actual subs in, sub outs rotation. That's a lot of different lineups to try out and a lot of un, you know, unproven lineups put together at, at one time. That's, that's got to be a big concern. Is that something – do you think the, the Jazz will be ready for that going against a team that has built so much cohesiveness this season – and got hot basically at the right time like the Pelicans. Yeah, um, we'll have to see. I I don't worry about that starting lineup. As I said, they've only played 14 minutes together, but we have these quote-unquote six starters that we have rotated a lot. So I think they'll be fine when we have Royce and Joe in. It's when we get to the bench and allow Clarkson to sneak in, Moutier might get some minutes, and then our other backups. That Mainly that three-guard lineup scares me. Having Jordan Clarkson play the three, having Donovan Mitchell play the three. That's where I get really worried is what happens after that first six minutes. So in order for the Jazz to pull off a win against the Pelicans, what do you believe they have to do? Defensive rebound. One thing that the Jazz are really, really good at, and again, Zion's brought to the Pelicans, is free throws. You guys – we're awful at getting the line, just terrible at getting the line before Zion. I think you guys are bottom five in the league or something like that. And now with Zion, you're just like skyrocketing. And Rudy Gobert is one of the best bigs at not fouling, as you know from the end of that one game, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know too well. No, but so Rudy Gobert is really good at just staying vertical and not fouling. And he, people think he gets away with calls, but he's just really disciplined. And that's one of his strengths. So if we can – not let you guys get to the line, that will help a lot because obviously the free throw line is the easiest place to get points. So that's probably the big thing is if we can end possessions and not let you get to the line, if we can really limit you just to normal field goal attempts, that's kind of our comfort zone. Now on the flip side of things for the Pelicans, the, what I would have to say for them to, to grab this win is to get up and down the floor. They, they've been really good about that in the scrimmages. And I mentioned that on, on the Bird Calls podcast this weekend. I believe that was Sunday is the Pels are in shape. They have been running five-on-five in practice every day, getting up and down the floor. Obviously, we're not positive as to where Zion's at coming off this little break where where he went home, how much he was working. He was working in practice today, did three-on-zero and five-on-zero, no five-on-five. The the front office is really wrapping him in bubble wrap, even though he's a professional athlete. So I think for for the Pels, it's it's exposed that four-spot weakness what you can do with either Derek Favors or, or Zion and get Zion going down low. That's going to help a lot. I think small ball, run the floor, getting the spacing for uh, with, with Melly at the four and, and Zion at the five. I, I don't think that'll hurt at all. Um, and, you know, it's, it's difficult for those big guys like, like Rudy Gobert to get going in the fast break. So I think that'd be really beneficial for the Pels. Yeah, the Jazz are trying to get out and run on offense, but defensively we definitely want to get set and get back and, let Rudy Gobert do his thing. If the Jazz don't put Gobert on Zion, they're really – and even if they do, the Jazz just struggle with tall, long, athletic – I don't want to say guards, forwards, players, the Brandon Ingrams of the world, 
who are, can get their shot up and over anybody. Our perimeter defense is not good at all. They put a lot of pressure on Rudy Gobert to solve everyone else's issues, which has led to some friction in the locker room. And so we need the perimeter defense to really help Rudy Gobert. And that sounds basic, and that's every game. But that's what led to Brandon Ingram killing us back in January, and it's very possible again, especially if Rudy Gobert is locked up on Zion. Now that you mentioned that, in this last game against the Bucks, in this last scrimmage, I should say, against the Bucks, Pell shot 47 three-pointers, 28 in the first half, just made 17. They were getting a lot of good looks, but the shots just weren't falling. So if they can hit those shots when the lane is plugged up like it was against the Bucks, that'll be big time as well. Bucks are really, really good defensive team. Obviously, it was a scrimmage, so not can't necessarily take a ton away from that, but – in, in situations where the lane is plugged up, the Pelicans will need to hit shots like that. Now, you mentioned Tony Bradley being added to the lineup plan with, with Rudy Gobert out there. Do you think there's any chance that Bradley w- would be put on Zion in a situation where, where Gobert's on the bench? That's tough to say. Jazz fans are in a huge fight because we've been terrible with Gobert off the court this year. And everybody wants to blame Tony Bradley and be like, oh, Bradley's not good, Bradley's this, Bradley's that. When in my opinion, the reality is it's just not having Gobert on the court. And Tony Bradley just has to take the front of that because he's the one who doesn't play with Gobert. So I don't really know what they do without Rudy. Maybe you see a little zone. Again, the other night we were playing, it wasn't even a zone. It was just Tony Bradley stayed the room, the other four people guard the other five guys. And that didn't work well. We let up like four straight threes. It was awful. And so we're still trying to figure out what to do without Gobert. And we've been trying to figure that out for like, eh, just this season. Derek Favors took care of that the last few years. So it's really just a this season issue that we just don't know what to do without Gobert. And that's no knock on Tony Bradley. That's just, you don't have an all NBA center on the court anymore. With a head coach like Quinn Snyder. You, you, and I mean, the, the jazz are, are, are a good team in terms of being well-structured and, and as far as I know, leadership is good. You'd think they'd have that figured out at least to a degree by now. You would think, but that's why the Clarkson trade happens. We're trying to shake up our bench. Our bench has had issues all year, and it looks better on paper after the Clarkson trade, but it's still an issue. I mean, these last couple scrimmages, the Jazz are like, oh, I want to say plus like 25 with Gobert on the court and something like minus 10 with them off. No, it's worse than that because we got – anyway, because we had some weird fourth quarters. Anyway, it's been really ugly with Rudy off the court. He's been a plus 14 net rating in the three scrimmages, and it's just been awful without him. And so that's where the Jazz are at is it's Rudy Gobert and everyone else. We've got to figure out what to do with everyone else. <laughs> that, those are some pretty ugly stats. Do you, think, do, you, do you think that Gobert deserves Defensive Player of the Year, not just this year, but, but every year? He has the last two years. This year, I'd go Giannis. I'd have Gobert second. And that's not because Gobert – there's a narrative flying around that Gobert's taking a step back this year, and that's not true. His numbers have been pretty good this year, just like they have in previous years. What we're really missing is our team defense hasn't really lived up to expectations because, as I said, we're terrible with off, without him. We need Derek Favors back. Jazz fans want Derek Favors back this summer. And then on top of that – we let Ricky Rubio go for Mike Conley, and that's not good defensively. We let Derek Favors go, who was starting next to Gobert as a four, and went to Boyan. That We just gave up a lot of defense to put some pressure on Gobert, and now we're 11th defensively in the league, which isn't great. 
So Gobert's been good, but some of the team numbers look worse. And then Giannis has just been so amazing. He totally deserves it. Like, I've been saying this on a couple of podcasts. I've been on, like, the season we are seeing from Giannis right now is probably a top five individual season of all time. And nobody's just really caring because he's up in Milwaukee and it's been a weird season with this whole break and yada, yada, yada. But it's definitely Giannis this season. Are the Bucks your, your pick to win a title with the way Giannis is playing right now? As of now, yeah. I think the West is going to be interesting with the Lakers and Clippers, but I, I really do think the Bucks are going to pull it out this year. And who knows? We've been talking about the Clips a lot on Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans about you know Lou Williams' absence and Montrez Harrell not being there, Pat Bev not being there. Obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys go Jazz Clippers six under five hundred teams, right? Yep. And so Lou Williams will miss your game. Yep. Yeah, we talked about that on my podcast two, three days ago when the whole Lou Williams thing broke that he's going to miss a big game for you guys. And so we really want to beat you on Thursday. <laughs> and But I, I don't think you guys need Thursday's game, especially if you can steal it against the Clippers. You just got to take care of business in your last six. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it a lot since the schedule broke. And basically, since we found out that it was going to be eight games – myself and, and whoever we've had on the podcast, the Pels really, they don't necessarily have to go six and two, especially if the, the Grizzlies really flop and, and the Trailblazers schedule gets to them as well. But this schedule is obviously, it's the easiest of the remaining teams. It's incredibly, incredibly favorable. And it's starting off with... Yeah, but without the bottom eight teams, every schedule's tough. Right, right, for sure. But with those first two teams they will be taking on the Jazz and then the Clippers. So looking at the remainder of the schedule for, for the Jazz and, and what their playoff push is going to look like, they'll take on the Pelicans, follow that up with the Thunder, the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Spurs, the Nuggets, Mavericks, and then the Spurs one more time. What kind of record do you think the Jazz come out with in this eight-game stretch? We're looking just to go four and four, maybe five and three. We basically want to beat the Spurs twice, beat the Grizzlies, and get a couple more wins, maybe against the Lakers, depending on how aggressive they are. Kind of going back to the Pelicans game, though, I think there's a chance, and this is weird to say, but I think there's a chance we overlook this game because that Oklahoma City game is so huge. We're a game up on in the standings. That will be their first game. And that game not only decides a game in the standings right next to them, but it also determines our tiebreaker because you don't get to play them a fourth time. As well as that pregame show has been going on for four months, and we really want to get that game going. So I think we're looking ahead to that Oklahoma City game, and I'm really nervous we're going to overlook Thursday's game against the Pelicans. Sure. And, and another factor that we've talked about going into this one, this, this game with the Jazz and the Pelicans, is how is the relationship with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert right now? Is, is there still a little bit of beef between the two with – regards to the virus and, and Rudy just kind of being stupid the day everything broke. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts? Have you heard anything about what their relationship has been like, especially since uh, quarantine has, has been going on and these guys are, are back together playing on the basketball court? So I'm assuming everyone listening has read the ESPN piece. That's great. And it goes over a lot of details. Everyone's just kind of in the, you don't have to like your coworker stage, but you can still work with them. And it's weird because both of them have immediate contract stuff going on as early as this summer. Both of them have huge things going on this summer contract-wise. So it appears to be pushed to the side right now for the bubble on the court. As I said, 
Donovan Mitchell had never assisted Rudy Gobert four times in a single game until a couple nights ago against the Nets. But Jazz fans are freaking out about that. He'd only had three assists like three times. He did that on Saturday. So everyone thinks everything's great right now. So they'll be fine through the bubble. There is friction there. But rubber will meet the road come this offseason. Fair enough. So what is your what is your thinking? You said they'll shoot for four and four, five and three. Do you think they stick around that four spot? Because four through seven is incredibly close right now. Obviously, that right. seven spot with the with the Mavericks isn't that. It's, it's three and a half games. But, I mean, the Mavs are still there. They've got 40 wins. Yeah. So it's the Jazz, Thunder, Rockets, Mavericks. What are your thoughts? Where do you think the Jazz end up come playoff time? So, first of all, we're just as close to the Clippers as we are the Mavericks. I'm pointing that out. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're only a game and a half behind the Nuggets, and we have a game against them late in the bubble that second Saturday, so there's a chance we could catch them. But I'll just say this. I'm 23 years old. been a diehard Jazz fan for, I'll say, since I was nine years old. So, in 14 years as a diehard Jazz fan, we have been the number five seed seven times. Like, literally, it's every year. It's been the last three years. It was the whole Darren Williams boozer era. Like, we are just the number five seed. It's in our blood. It's what we do every single season. So I don't care if we go two and six or six and two. I'm telling you right now, we're going to be the five seed. And then we might win a first-round matchup. We might not. Depends on the year. And then we'll lose in the second round. That's just what we do in Utah. That's what we've done for the last two decades. That does sound like a very jazz move. And for the Pelicans, they'll probably make it to that first-round matchup. At least they'll play the Grizzlies for the 8-9 seed and maybe get into that first round of the playoffs versus the Lakers as the 8 seed, what will ultimately be the 8 seed. They might go in as the 9 seed depending on how that, that Memphis and, and Pelicans game work out. And then they get bumped in the first round, which is also a, a very Pelicans thing to do. Either get bumped in the first round or, or not make it at all. So to a degree, in a very different way, we kind of feel your pain. <laughs> So one fun thing, this has nothing to do with this, but we were talking a little bit about the Mavs. The Rockets-Mavs is an opening game. And if the Rockets win that game, the Mavericks kind of fall out into nowhere land, walk into the seventh seed, they lose their opening game. So I'm not really worried about the Mavericks. I'm pretty sure they'll end up seven if they lose that first game. Okay, fair enough. That that one through, excuse me, two through six is, is pretty it's, wild. It's, it's all over the place. Even the logic doesn't work. So I'm just going to watch basketball and enjoy it because it's been a long four months. There you go. There you go. Now we're going to get one more thing from you, McCade. What's your, what's your final pick for, for this game going into Thursday? Ooh, I think it's going to be a game of runs. If a team hits 10, 15 point lead, I'm not going to buy into it too much. I think it goes down to the wire again. Ooh, I, Man, you're asking tough questions. <laughs> I prob- I would not be shocked if the Pelicans win. I- I'm going to say the Jazz win just so Jazz fans don't get mad at me, but <laughs> if, it- if it does end up a close game like I expect it to, I do trust Brandon Ingram more than I do our stagnant offense right now. A huge part of our closing lineup. Um, Donovan's really struggled in the clutch throughout his career, and then Boyan kind of relieved that load a little bit. He had his two buzzer beaters this year against Milwaukee and Houston on crazy deep, weird threes. So if it does end up close, I'm going to lean the Pelicans, but uh, the Jazz are going to win by 25. Uh, yeah, way to stay unbiased there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that, was, that was good stuff, McKay. I, I'm going to say I'm going to roll with the Pels by 10. I think. 
Obviously, they got Rudy. The, the Jazz have Rudy. Donovan Mitchell is going to score at least not necessarily 46 points, but he's going to score at least, you know, he's going to get his 25. And I think the, the return of Drew and, and Zion playing in this one will be the ultimate factor. Now, McCade, thanks so much for joining us. How can we follow you on Twitter? How can we listen to your podcast? So follow me on Twitter at McCadeP8. That's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-8. I'm a stats major, so I'm always posting weird graphs and graphics and this and that. I like to pretend that I'm a cap expert, but I'm really not. But if you have questions, I can usually answer cap questions as well. If you need someone to cheer on Frank Jackson, I'm also your guy there. He's uh, one of our Salt Lake boys that we love. I have some mutual friends with him, and it's good to see him up in the NBA. So, But don't come telling me how great Pete Maravich is. I'm not a Pete Maravich guy. And I don't feel bad at all for having the name Jazz in Utah. So know those two things as well. All right. Well, if anything, the man is honest. <laughs> we appreciate you stopping by, McCade. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. There you have it, folks. Fun conversation with McCade Pearson of the Home Court Press podcast. If you want to check him out, go ahead, hit that rewind button a couple more times. You'll be able to find him on Twitter. And of course, you can always just search Home Court Press on Apple Podcasts in order to find his coverage with Brian Peace covering the Utah Jazz over on that podcast. As always, got to remind you, go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter and you have any questions, any thoughts on this specific podcast, you can go ahead and respond to the tweets where this is at on the Twitter, and we'll get back to you. We'll retweet your thoughts, anything like that. And while you're here, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you subscribe, leave a rate and review. Do it! The more you do that, the more exposure we're going to get. And we always appreciate that here at Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. And if you're listening on Spotify, Stitcher, anything like that, make sure you hit the follow button. And if you get the opportunity to leave a review, do so there as well. Poor favor. Make sure to go follow Believe on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and you can check out a plethora of their other podcasts on Believe.com or just head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this podcast right here. And you can check out some more Pelicans coverage on SB Nation's The Bird Rights. That will include some former guests like Preston Ellis, Ali Cosell, Chris Connor, Kevin Berrios, and David Grubb. We've got some other a team of other guys that contribute over there as well. Well, make sure before this is over, go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter and leave that rate and review. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. Folks, enjoy the game Thursday. We'll be posting a review of it on Friday, so stay tuned for that. Thanks for tuning in. This was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.